ora. Welcome to How to Save the World. I'm here in a stunning location today in Whangaroa, Raglan. And um, our topic today is parakori and te ao Māori and how that relates to sustainability. And I'm feeling very privileged to be here with Jackie Forbes. Uh, kia ora, Jackie. Kia ora. Uh, Jackie's the general manager of parakori, um, meaning zero waste. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from? Kia ora, kia ora Waveney, kia ora Tim. I uh, know my haramai ki tēnei wahi, e kia nei uh, ko kareo i te maunga, ko whaingaro te moana, uh, ko tainu i te waka, uh, no taranaki a hau, no Ngāti Tama ki te tauihu, no Ngāti Whawhaki a hoki a hau, uh, no Ngāti Paua, no Ngāti Mania Poto hoki, no reira uh, tēnā tātou i tēnei ahi ahi. So yeah, I was just saying uh, welcome to to Whaingaroa and the pipiha of this um, rohe. So let's start with uh, parakori because I know that's been a big part of your life for 20 years? More like 10. 10, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I started here at Extreme Zero Waste. Uh-huh. As an education, so it's, it's waste in education that's been in your life for that long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, um, so Parakori started in was it around two thousand and ten? Yeah, we became an incorporated society um, in November um, twenty ten. So we've just got been running uh, for ten years now. Great! Well, congratulations! Time Thank for you. birthday party. Um, and what is it for those of us who don't know? So. Uh, the purpose or the value of Parakuri is to educate and advocate from a Māori uh, worldview for a world without waste. So it's a kaupapa that's based on whakapapa to Ranginui and to Papa Tuanuku. Is it particularly marae based or is it for anywhere? We um, started with a mission of by 2020 all marae in Aotearoa will be working towards zero waste. Um, as we began to work with marae and support them to, to reduce waste and to do things differently, we started to get requests from kohanga reo, from schools, from workplaces, from community organisations, from events, just asking, oh, can you come and help us? And so we quickly realised that it wasn't actually going to be possible to work solely with marae and that we were going to be working with marae and other other places, really. So you guys started small, I imagine, how many hours or how many staff did you have when you started? Well, we were part-time and so it was myself and Penny Campbell and we, uh, we, it was a pilot project with three marae, uh, Poihākina marae, Tūranga Waiwai in Ngārōwahia and Kirikiriro marae in Hamilton. Um, so we were just like part-time like there, there wasn't really a job it was <laughs> so two part-timers it was just like world. some <laughs> hours really yeah. yeah and now I mean 10 years isn't long um you've you've got 449 marae participating in the program yeah we've probably got closer to 500 and that's marae organized that's everyone yeah. um and we've probably got around 220 marae so we estimate that we're almost at 
working with a quarter of the marae in Aotearoa. Wow. Mm. Well done. Thank you. That's amazing. And um, th- and the goal is to be able to work with all marae and, on, and that journey towards zero waste. Yeah, all marae and, that yeah. are interested yeah, yeah, because yeah. Um, obviously marae make their own decisions about mm. what they mm. want to do. So, mm. yeah. And um, how many participants would you guys have had through Wananga events, festivals? That's it's something you count. Yes, we do, and um, we have a dashboard with that figure. Uh, but it's it's if you can because what happens is when you have events, um, you can have an event, and there can be twenty five thousand people there. So we've got figures that include the events and don't, but it's hundreds of. With the events, it's hundreds and thousands of people. Wow. Your, the dashboard figure you've got on your website is um, about half a million people. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <That's a laughs> there you go. I don't update that. The administrator updates that one. It's an impressive sounding yeah. number yeah. for such a small country yeah. that you guys have, have connected with over half a million or around mm. half a million New Zealanders in this um, mission towards zero waste, parakori. Um, so, yeah, so you guys have been in this space doing some pretty amazing stuff. It's another great whangaroa or raglan story of uh, starting small, community-based, some crazy locals just deciding to get in there and do something. And then um, with same with similar projects, there's actually been this national influence. So how would you describe parakori to someone that's never heard of it? Uh We provide grassroots education, so what that means is that uh, we have a program, a waste education program that we deliver, so we give presentations, um, people sign up to the program, we provide workshops, we set them up with equipment, and then we provide them with ongoing support and mentoring, whether it be to... Um, implement and learn more about composting or where it be, whether it's about researching what the alternatives are so that they can eliminate some of the waste streams that they f- have found out that they're generating. Because Marae have hundreds of people through Anahui. It's a massive event and all just volunteers mostly, eh? Yeah. Always. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you've got these volunteers d- doing hard out catering and um, then there's the waste at the other end of that and that's where you guys come in. And, and when you say you're providing resources, it's like the wheelie bins, signage. Yeah. And I guess we – our – our dreams are for the top of the cliff so that we are actually working with the marae on what's coming into the marae rather than just being at the bottom of the cliff and, oh, we've got all this stuff. Like single-use disposable plastic <laughs> plates or, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, those aren't too common on marae, but, you know, it's still, you know, dealing with the stuff after it's been generated, um, you know, we much prefer working at the other end where we're thinking about, um, how can we source what we need for this hui um, using the waste hierarchy, using principles of reduce and reuse first um, so that there's less recycling and there's less waste. Nice. 
Yeah, so, and we work with um, marae and organisations, schools on an ongoing basis, so over a period of time. So people join up and we think of it as um, people joining a movement, you know, joining the Parakuri whānau, because working towards, you know, living without waste, having zero waste, uh, doesn't happen immediately or quickly and um, there's lots of things to consider as you go on that journey. Mm-hmm. I imagine especially um, if your key person moves on, it, it would take a while to embed a new culture around waste. Yeah, well the, well, the, well, the aim is always to, to create that culture so... Um, and ensure that the learnings are held collectively so that if a key person Mm. does leave, there isn't a huge impact. But there's no denying that when you have um, great champions and leaders, um, that when they do move on, it does Mm. have an impact. Mm. Yeah, but that's great that you guys are there on that longer-term journey. Um, So a big part of what you do is driven by well for for a big part of what everybody always does is driven by their world view and um, I'm really interested as Pākehā to dig in a little bit and learn a little bit more from you around Te Ao Māori and just what that is and, and how, it, how it relates to sustainability and the work that you do like those drivers and the connection is a big question yeah. <laughs> to it all <laughs> Yeah, but it's kind of like quite simple because it's all based on whakapapa and so, and that's the whakapapa that we have, you know, to Ranginui and Papatūanuku. So we kind we to talk about it, we have to go back to that story of Ranginui and Papatūanuku holding each other in a loving embrace, and their children being born, and it being uncomfortable and dark and cramped, and them talking about oh. You know, what can we do? So we've got more room and more light. And then um, Tani Mahuta lying on his back um, on Papatūanuku and pushing out his legs and separating Ranginui and Papatūanuku. And, you know, so comes Te Marama, the world of light. And so then all the children of Rangi and Papa become the, the deities or the the atua of all the different natural different parts of the natural world and um, Tani Mahuta you know who from him comes the insects and trees and birds and we're the youngest progeny of Tani Mahuta so he went to Kurawaka fashioned the first woman Hini Ahuone breathed life into her and took her as his wife and so some say that we descend from Tani Mahuta and Hini Ahuone so in that sense, what that means is that we're related to all the millions of other species that live on on the on Papatūanuku, on the on the planet, and um, so we are just part of this big family, and we're the youngest, like we're the Taina, so we've got lots to learn um, about how to nurture life and diversity of life um, from from all the other species who have been here you know who, who've who've had that time and expertise to to learn those things so we've obviously we're going down 
the wrong track and we've got a lot to learn. <laughs> and so that's the that's the paradigm, the mindset that um, is Teo Māori, one of interconnectedness and relationship with the natural world. So just like you've got your um, nana or your grandma <coughs> or your um, child or your auntie and your uncle the the Teo Māori worldview perspective um, has that same thing but it extends out to you know other species so it's not just it recognises us as human beings as being part of that bigger family it's something that I've heard before and you go yeah yeah I get it but I don't you know I don't I can't help my own worldview around going oh that's just a plant over there and that's just a bird over there um, and it's quite cool just to sit and think about what would it mean for me if I if I didn't just think, oh, yes, that's a relation, but if actually it was embedded, you know, if it was just more of an assumption of that, that connection, it's a different. So how, did that, so how does that world view connected in with your own work, with your own calling, I guess, in life? So it was quite normal in our family to... The conversations were always actually around. It's always about making things fair and making things right, and sort of the injustices and you know what's right, and lots to do with equity. So all that type of thing, and then how I grew up was, um, which was. Normal in our street, we had neighbours on both sides and we were all pretty, yeah, we were all, you know, quite poor. Like there wasn't much, you know, in the cupboard like food, but um, they were like third acre sections and every they were all gardeners. So there was like everything you can think of, like, you know, I could just go on and on and on, like grapes, plums, nectarines, peaches, you know, lots of different plums um, and veggies. And so there was never, ever a time when there wasn't something to eat. So we ate outside in our gardens. like So we had three full sections to be harvesting from. and um, But we also knew, like, down the street as well, Trees? Like local yeah. food sources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we'd go certain ways home from school to eat. Um, and, yeah, so eating outside was, was normal. It's interesting, eh? Eating outside was normal. It's like natural forages. And, you know, these days you pay good money to go and do a foraging course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess um, the the sort of gardening and that um, way of living without the industrial food supplies and the packaging that comes with it was a normal part Mm. of my Mm. childhood and Mm. so you know it'd be like a um, you know one of those moments where you know the mum or I've even had a friend say this to me everything here is from my garden you know all the veggies here are from my garden so that that was normal Mm, mm. Mm. 
Yeah, it's um, it must have been quite affronting, I guess, the point where because somehow you ended up working in waste, and that's quite a horrific thing. Like you get into it, I guess, because you care about it, but then every day you're dealing with it and you're seeing this awful waste and this travesty of all these resources just being thrown away. And um, so it's affronting, I guess, when you've come from that background of just not packaged, locally grown found on a tree zero carbon footprint yeah 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 well it wasn't like a choice I was a teacher and um I like wasn't a conscious decision I kind of fell into this (laughs) into this work um yeah and so there was an education job job going up here and oh you're like oh yeah 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 that a go because I was traveling from Whangaroa into Hamilton each day to go to work so it was like yeah two days you know, working in Raglan uh, and not travelling. Yeah. So that's yeah. how it yes, started. That's how it started. That's, how it started. <laughs> yeah. that's the reason. Yeah. And where does it end? <laughs> Nobody knows. Um, as a Pākehā, what you're bringing up is uh, an opportunity, I think, for myself to reflect on my own worldview. And uh, it's like we've got... I care a lot about the ecological crisis and I care about waste or biodiversity. Um, I guess one of the things I realised, I've mentioned before on this podcast, um, a book by Jared Diamond called Collapse, um, and there's lots of other thinkers that will bring this up too, how indigenous cultures have already been through it and they have this this. The scale that we're having, this cri- the crisis is on a, a global scale, but it's not new. It's it's a it's something that we've faced in humanity over and over again, and that is trying to work out how to work in balance. And my understanding of Te Māori is that it's like you described. It's it's a it's something that has evolved in balance, and quite possibly in response to uh, hitting up on some natural limits in Aotearoa a few hundred years ago. Maori um, gone, and um, you know, other other ways perhaps that weren't working. And so by contrast, it's a worldview that actually doesn't have to grapple with sustainability because it actually is sustainability. Yeah, so like you mentioned, um, our tūpuna f- in here in Aotearoa, you know, lived within the limits and the capacity of the waterways and the bush and the soils. Um because of course they had to. They there's had to. No yeah. choice. Yeah, but but there kind of is because there's been other like Easter Island's mm. our most famous example. But there's been plenty of other cultures who didn't mm. make those choices and they didn't survive. Mm. They hit the limits and that's it. Mm. And I think there's, um, you know, when you're when you've got the paradigm or the 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 understanding that you're connected and that you're related, and so you're thinking of the natural world is your family, then um, you've got that sense of responsibility and respect towards the natural world. So it's about, um, you know, manaakitanga, like looking after, and um, because your, your mana is in how much you can care for someone and how mm. much you can what what's the f- what's the best foods that you can give to to someone else or you know how can you have um you know 
care so so much and you know and, and it's the amount that you give that is your um your mana Oh, it's interesting, eh? Because I think that that could be uh, that could be it. That could be the juxtaposition right there. Of that is just not where mana comes from in the Pakeha world. Yeah, it's how, how much have you got? How much have you got? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess because you like, must be really a great person if you've got lots of money. You know, yeah, you must be. Must. Give them a knighthood. That's <laughs> all it takes. So. This is it because it's like we we're trying to work out we're trying to find our way I guess and it's it's not well I guess that we are you know we're making steps and cultures shifting really fast um, so it's it's quite encouraging and I think that there is this conversation that we're more ready to have like when I say we I'm, I'm meaning Pakeha but also generally that Western world view like all over the world I think people are kind of Look, it kind of it's like little things just here and there, but everywhere are just falling over, and trying to stitch it back together all of the time. And asking it's like just naturally asking the wrong questions about oh, you know, we've exhausted that supply, so how can we make that more sustainable so we can use that supply more? Um, as opposed to, I don't know, it just seems that there is just so much we can learn from a from a really different perspective that comes from a caring manakitanga basis. Like that, when you just—that's where you get your mana from, because that's what drives everybody, regardless of what culture you're from. We all want it, and um, but to get it from such a different angle, we are an organisation trying to to um, reduce waste and design waste out. But we have to be real that we're in a system that is designed to create waste. Why would anyone design a system to create waste, Jackie? <laughs> yeah, and so that's a linear system, completely contrary to, to Papa Tuanuku's circular, circular systems. Circular as in kind of like in nature, you've got a tree produces an apple, the apple falls on the ground, it fertilizes the tree that grows another apple. Yeah. So there is no waste. Yeah. And then linear as in... Uh, Extract natural resources, make stuff, ship that stuff all around the place, use that stuff, and then th- throw that away. So a take so, and throw away yeah, kind of yeah, a system. So over here, over here you've got one hole where you dug the resources up. Use it up as quickly as you can so you can make as much money as you can. And then over here put it in another hole. Yeah, that's Linear. right. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the, the companies that are making the profits from doing that – um, the, the the costs aren't of the the pollution and, and the natural resource use aren't um, they're not paying those costs. So generally, yeah. those costs are distributed to the people. Mm. Mm. I I just feel that uh, because everything comes from worldview, it's just so important to and without without being able to change that or being able to be a bit aware of that, uh, we can really miss. And you just keep on going. And that, yeah, it all makes sense because you're making money. Um, but I think um, I, I see I see this conversation as an opportunity to really express what a gift Te Ao Māori is in terms of being able to, for, not necessarily for Pākehā to step into that world and for it, the, for it to become their world, but to, to be able to um, have an opportunity to reflect because and then see it as a gift because it's... So often, I think you know, we, we with the treaty, uh, we're, we're supposed to be this bicultural partnership, 
what, we've got this opportunity as, for, a, for the very thing that we need, I think. The very, very thing that's like this missing piece. And without it, I think we struggle to have hope because Pākehā will project this worldview onto humanity and say, oh, there is no hope. Huma- humans are so greedy. Um, we can't turn this ship around. Like People want to, but they feel like there aren't examples. The environmental outcomes that we're seeking, they, they will only be achieved with um, social justice and climate justice. Um, Can I just ask why? Like, why is that such an obvious link? Why can't like technology save us, for example, and we all just keep on making the money and the rich getting richer? And why does why does social justice have to be linked to? Yeah, I wish I had like some really wonderful explanation, but I'll just have to do it in my own <laughs> own words. And I guess it's you know the poverty that we have here in Aotearoa, the difference between sort of the haves and the have-nots. And the inequities that cause, you know, Māori to, you know, more likely to have poorer health outcomes, education outcomes, more likely to be in jail. That's a result of the processes of colonisation, of um, theft, of um, ongoing policies that have, um, and regulation that has stolen again from Māori. Um, and it's also a result of, I guess, you, could, you know, white supremacist principles and unconscious bias, racism, etc. So, and you're, you're not talking in the past either. No, huh? yeah. no, no. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been in the past and it's still here now. And I guess it's because, the, you know, we have a saying, ka ora um, te tangata. Ka ora te ao. Um, you know, like our health is the same as um, will be the same as as the planet's health. So they're they're linked. So it's like kote awa I am the river, and the river is me. Mm. So if people are unhealthy, then if if Papatūnuku is unhealthy, then people will be unhealthy. And if you know we because it's we're all the same so like in a family you know you're not going to have you know one who's just like you know and the best health ever and everyone else is just you know like falling apart and so unhealthy mm. and yet I have so many times gone wow what an amazing coincidence that this you know soap that's good for me and good for my skin just so happens that it's good for the river as well that's really cool what a coincidence yeah a really big part of Māori culture is that you give something and then the other person um gives back or or, you know you give to you know so it's always um everyone's always giving so it's always going round and round and it's actually um it's it's more than just I don't know if you could call it a contract, but you know it's kind of like these unwritten rules of of how you operate within society. So um, yeah, that would just be my answer to that: is that there is no that we are so linked that um, as we improve our house, you know, Papatūnuku's house will improve. It, it feels like good tools, I guess, to apply to problem solving. Um, just to help 
me personally stop making the same mistakes and sort of just try and look at things from a different perspective of uh, yeah, caring and this idea of being in a whānau together. When I think about, I'm getting a bit better at it, but when I think about what the future could look like, a sustainable future, it's often quite a hard thing to visualise or, or or it can feel, I think for a lot of people, can feel quite negative. It's like you're just taking all this stuff away. It's like, oh, now I can't go to the mall or buy this or do that. And, oh, you know, blooming flying's off the the books. And so it's like it feels like all this negative stuff. Um, <laughs> but there, and also it's just, yeah, it's hard to visualize a positive future where we're flourishing and the planet's flourishing. Um, and I think that comes from a bit of a, a worldview basis as well, where we are. Where yes, it's not where we get our mana from. Um, the how everything else flourishes. Mm. Mm. I I guess it's that um, Maori a tribal too. So you belong to a Fano, and then you belong to a sub tribe, a Hapu, and a Iwi, and you're from a certain place, and so you relate. You have like um, your identity. Your identity comes from a certain. A river and a certain mountain and, and a certain tribe. So, um, and also from your ancestors that were the leaders, um, you know, of your of your people. And so, you know, it's quite often for for people in Maori spaces to um, not use the individual's name but call them by their name of their mountain or call them by the name of their their tribe so the the health of your people and the health of your river and your mountain is your health I mean the thing with us being human beings is that we're all from here we're all from Papasuna yes like no one came from Jupiter or Pluto or Mars like we are all like we all descend from Papa Tuanuku and Ranginui and so we are home and so uh, you know there's the ability there for us all to connect with yes, fact. It's, in our, it's, it's here, yeah. it's in our heart and I think we, I think this is coming, bubbling up is that people do want to connect and uh you know, worldviews don't stay the same ever. You know, they're always on the move, mm. and there's just so many little things pricking at the edges, mm. um, giving people, giving us all consideration and pause to think. Do you think, in terms of sustainability and and the absolute catastrophic global crisis that we are in or tumbling toward? Do you feel like there's hope? Well, I do because I'm just like an optimistic person and it's just how I am. So I'm totally hopeful and um, I see uh, food sovereignty, you know, local food production as a really um, exciting pathway that we can all be involved with and contribute to and build and Mm. develop, Mm. whether it's you know something organised or or a few you know some parsley outside um, hope and parsley <laughs> <laughs> yeah so 
you know, we're just so blessed to live in, you know, here mm. and be in a country where we can grow so much food. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm kind of interested in us shrinking the amount of industrialised food that we eat because I see basically shopping um, for food as contributing to kind of stealing habitat and um, you know from our rela- from our relatives from other species who haven't got much space to live and exist and you know that puts a new spin on going to the supermarket <laughs> You can't fly and now you cannot (laughs) shop in a supermarket. (laughs) So do you see the future, like do you see a sustainable future? Do you see that as a beautiful thing that you can't wait to walk into? Yeah, yeah. I mean, COVID-19 kind of brought us all, you know, it stopped us all and it brought us closer to our communities and we started talking to neighbours and um, connecting more. Uh, Of course, you know, everyone had a different experience of Mm, COVID-19. So for mm. some people, I know it was like magical bliss and then for others it was horrific. So I don't want to pretend that COVID, um, you know, but I guess COVID just brought up, made us more local. We couldn't Mm, move mm, about. mm. So I... Yeah, I'm not totally sure, but, you know, I really trust, I mean, in, I guess, Aroha and Manaakitanga and um, and people, you know, I just have this innate trust well, I'm, that the good mm. will come out. Do you think, this is what I need to hear, you think humanity can do it? Yes. You think we've got it in us? Yes, definitely. Without a doubt. But there's a lot of greedy buggers out there. Things have been talked about now that we were never spoken about. So, mm. you know, eight people are the same as something like 3.6 billion people. Yeah, yeah, the eight richest. Yeah. And so, you know, like we're the only species that behaves like this. First of all, we're the only species that generates waste um, that isn't zero waste. But we're the only species that is um, that behaves in this manner. Like all the other species have kind of systems to share the resources so that, you know, everyone can survive, whereas we don't have that same value set. So I really believe that we can, um, that we can, like you say, there's some greedy people out there. Um, Yeah, I I just, I guess I believe in that collective consciousness to be able to, I guess I believe in aroha to Heal everything. Mm. <laughs> Sounds corny, but yeah. But hey, I guess, I mean, I'm loving it because it's like, is it, is the greediness who we really are or have we lost our way? And you're saying, no, no, it's all right, guys. You've just lost your way. Just come on back. You're all part of it. You're all born into this connection and just find your way back. Is there places where Pakiha can, um, if they want to take next steps or learn a little bit more, I would probably just say to Google decolonization and Google Tiriti, Google Moana Jackson and watch some of his 
videos. So um, t- to learn probably to start with learning mostly about Tetiriti first. Mm, nice, kia ora. Thank you, thank you. And for me, it's like a just a, 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 a trying to walk in humility, you know, and and um, working out the the genuine beauty of a partnership and having someone who can say, "Hey, I can help you with that." Cause, I can see you struggling there, trying to sort the world out in your head. Yeah, kia ora. Kia ora.